your responsibility as an informed believer in Jesus is to reject false choices. Maybe the biggest false choice that the media is forcing upon the world right now, Carly, is if you stand with Israel, you vilify the Arab people. And if you have compassion for the suffering of Arab and Palestinian and Gazan peoples, that means you need to hate Israel who's sending an army in to defend itself. I think that's a false choice. We don't see that in the Bible. We don't see that in the teaching of Jesus, who came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel and is the savior of the world. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world in the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Just a heads up before we dive into our topic today, Carly, you know, A Jew and a Gentile Discuss is listener supported and we want to give you, our listeners, an opportunity at the end of this program to get more involved. So stay tuned for those details. Let's discuss. Ezra, I'm so excited to be back doing another podcast. Just a few weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, we did an Israel Update podcast, but now we're going to come back and do kind of a mini-series on Israel just based on everything going on. Right. And I know just from being in the Christian world, so many people are asking questions and we want to help answer them. So that's what we're going to do today. Totally. And I think, Carly, we sort of rushed into the podcast studio days after October 7th, right? When everything was still fresh and people were going, who is Hamas and who is Hezbollah? And what is the IDF doing? And why was war declared? And who's even affected? And what's, you know, what's going on? And we were trying to just give some basic definitions to catch primarily a Christian audience, but we know we have Jewish listeners as well up on what's going on in the Middle East and how do we make sense of it? And now fast forward, I mean, it feels like that was like three days ago, but it wasn't. It was a hundred days. It ago. was a hundred days ago. Yeah. Now we're just over. We hit last weekend the hundred day mark of the war in Israel, the war in Gaza, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so our our purpose here is to try to continue to provide some definitions, try to get to what are the core questions that we need to ask to equip a Christian audience who's trying to stand with Israel to keep standing with Israel, even though as expected, and I think you know, if, if you didn't listen to our uh, mid-October podcast, go back and listen, because I think we alluded to this, that it was gonna get more complicated before it got easier to understand, and it was gonna get uglier before it was resolved. And so here we are, 100 some days in, and is that not true? It's enormously complex, depending on where you get your news, whatever, Al Jazeera, BBC, CNN, Fox, you know, the Fox Newsers out there are confused as well. The CNN subscribers are confused. And it just, it, it seems like the world is losing touch with how did this start and what's actually going on and how do we separate truth from rhetoric and how do we separate actual current events from the rallying cries of people movements on either side of the line. So that's what we want to do today. We're not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to cover all the issues, but at least to try to put some foundational anchors in for our own thinking to say, how should we rightly think about what's going on from a biblical perspective and just from a facts data on the ground perspective? Yeah, and I think we also want to remind people it's still going on because in right. October, it was like, you know, every day you're watching the news for the, the latest headline and then it's not that it gets old, but sure. they move the media moves on to something else. And so it's not right in front of you. Totally. And look at right, like Ukraine as an example. Yeah. February 2022, the world was glued to its televisions. Oh my gosh, there's a war in Ukraine. Russia has invaded. This is terrible, right? We're watching it for hours a day. When's the last time you saw anything? Right now yeah. we're gonna hit two years next month in a few weeks. Yeah. Right? Two years since the the invasion of Ukraine. When's the last time it even made the front page? Yeah. Or maybe even made, you know, the website at all or the newspaper if right. you still get paper. Right. Uh, and yet the situation is actually worse than ever. So how long is the war in Israel going to go on? Spoiler alert, if you're asking us when it's going to be over, I can tell you what Israel's waiting for in terms of its outcomes when they would say the war's over. But how long is that going to take? Nobody really knows. Mm -hmm. uh, and is it going to fall out of the headlines? Is it just going to devolve into rhetoric and you know people sticking their flag in the ground on either side of this imaginary line, Israel v. Palestine, and that's where you stand? Uh, it's tricky. So we want to help uh, our listeners think about what's going on now 100 days in with no specific end in sight so we can so we can keep thinking about it rightly we can say yeah and 
we we will talk about the facts of the war, but right. we also are connected to ministries on the ground in Israel. So and family members totally. on the ground in Israel. So we have a different perspective as well because we can we can bring that into it. Totally. And, you know, if our if our audience, if our listeners are saying, well, yeah, you're connected to Jewish believers in Jesus on the ground or you're connected to Israelis, of course, you're getting the, you know, the Jewish pro-Israel perspective. Uh, we're also connected to a number of ministries uh, led by Arab Christians who are also Israeli citizens. Yeah. And if your, you know, head explosion emoticon just popped up, what do, what do you mean Arab Israelis? Uh, our audience may not know, 21% of the population of the Jewish state called Israel are not Jewish people. They're Arabs, so mostly Muslim, Christians, there's some Armenian in there, there's Druze, there's 5% worship, you know, in, in, in other religious systems, but one-fifth of Israel's population are not Jews, and yet they're involved in, the, uh, in, in living and raising their families in the Jewish state, and they're mm -hmm. also actively involved in defending Israel right now against terrorist threats. So we're getting info on from from on the ground sources from the Arab Israeli world as well as from the Jewish Israeli world. Yeah, just that just increases the complexity. Totally. So let's talk about what has happened right. since our last update when it right. comes to the war in Israel. Right. So I'll say a couple things and then I want to quote the IDF spokesman who gave a worldwide address the night of October 7th. So we'll get there in a minute because okay. he said something, I think we talked about it in our last episode as well, Carly, but something really profound that I want to bring us back to as an anchor. But so what's going on? I'm painting with a very broad brush, but Israel continues to make advances through IDF involvement in emptying out a tunnel network called the Metro, hundreds of Before kilometers. Before you go on, I just want to remind yeah. people who aren't as familiar, the IDF is like Israel's you. army. The, the Israel, Israel, yeah, Israel's army, but let's be specific. Thank you for thank you for asking the question. The Israel Defense Force, meaning it exists not to be an aggressor of people groups around it or nations around it. It exists primarily to defend the Jewish state from those who have pledged its destruction, which there are many, including Hamas, which interestingly in in Hebrew means violence but it means in Arabic, the language it was sort of invented as a, as a people movement, as a terrorist group, it means resistance. So resisting the Jewish occupiers, mm -hmm. that's what Hamas means. And then Hezbollah, which Hezbollah, the people of Allah, actually, Hezbollah uh, up in the north is, is another group, but both of these groups share something in common and they're not alone. There's Qatar, there's Iran, there's other Islamic jihadist, which means holy war for Allah, holy war for Islam, terrorist groups all around the world. And while they hate each other and they would kill each other on sight based on the particular version of Islam they subscribe to, Sunni, Shia, others, what they share is a hatred for the land of Israel and the Jewish people wherever they are. So the Israel Defense Force, for a long answer to your short question, exists to defend Israel everyone living in Israel, Jew and Arab alike, from those kinds of threats. And that's exactly what they're doing. Now, you know, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but people may go, wait a minute, defense force, they're in there blowing up buildings and they're flooding tunnels. And, you know, they're, some people are, they're killing innocent, you know, Gazans, innocent Palestinians. How on earth are they a defense force? But we'll get to that in a minute. How did this whole thing start? Mm -hmm. So in the meanwhile, the, the quick update, right? The Israel defense force, the IDF, is making advances in Gaza, what are they doing? They have a list of Hamas members and leaders and they are systematically trying to, we'll use the nice word, and then the, the kind of the real word, they're neutralizing, which means in a best case scenario, apprehending, arresting and interrogating, and if that's not possible, assassinating anyone who's part of the Hamas Islamic Jihadist terrorist group. Uh, why are they doing that? Because anyone who's under the banner of Hamas, a headband on their band, a flag above, uh, on their head, a, you know, a flag above their home or their military base, their charter document says we will not rest until every Jew in the region ceases to exist. So Israel, in defending itself, has this obligation to neutralize the threat of Hamas, which is exactly what they said on October 7th. And now 100 some days in, that's complex. But, you know, we hear from, and I can say without specific names or anything, uh, immediate family members who are in the IDF uh, on the ground saying we're making headway, but it's not easy. Mm -hmm. So that's happening. There, there's increased headway in Gaza. And in the meanwhile, if we remember, maybe you heard this on the news, maybe you didn't, but in mid-October, uh, the leaders of Hezbollah up in Lebanon, and again, 
Hezbollah does not represent the country of Lebanon or the Lebanese people as, at large. It's mm -hmm. a terrorist group within Lebanon that has some power. They said, when, when people asked, are you gonna invade Israel? They said, our time will come. We're not telling you when that is, but our time will come. And unfortunately, while there's headway in Gaza uh, with Hamas, Hezbollah seems to only be ramping up in the northern border of Israel and is sending drone strikes in, is launching missiles. We should be worried about that because the caliber of missiles that Hezbollah has access to dwarfs anything coming out of Gaza. Mm -hmm. So it's scary for Israel right now and it's a war on at least two fronts. When you say Gaza, yeah. just because I want to clarify for sure. those listening, is Gaza part of Israel? Gaza was given over entirely to Palestinian control under Ariel Sharon, who was leading Israel in 2005. And if you remember the story, you know, I'm, you, draw your own conclusions here, right? I'm not going to say anything, but weeks after Sharon finally kind of does this deal and says, we are disengaging from Gaza, meaning Israel will no longer have any military presence. We have no governmental authority there. It's still sovereignly part of the land we call Israel that we will protect and defend, but we have no involvement. Weeks after he gave the land, land for peace, and we can all ask now, 18 years later, how did that work? Yeah, not Heading, so good. Yeah, two decades later, the land for peace deal, Ariel Sharon suffered like a, like a hemorrhage, an aneurysm in his brain and went into a coma and never woke up and eventually passed away. Wow. So that's interesting. He sort of did this deal and then was suddenly out of the picture and was kept alive on machines for years and years and died. It wasn't a very honorable death, but that happened. And then weeks and months after Gaza was given over to whoever the Palestinian people would choose to rule it, which was supposed to be the Palestinian Authority, right? Centralized out of, out of the, the larger part of the West Bank, mm -hmm. uh, north of Jerusalem, okay? Uh, weeks and months after that, Hamas, in this unexpected maneuver, pulled a power play and took over. So again, Hamas, by its charter document, exists to exact terrorist activities on Jewish people and they became the ruling government, not by vote of the people, by coup, by hostile takeover. Mm -hmm. So Gaza, this, this strip of land occupied by millions of people living in very close proximity, right? Towers, you know, apartment buildings between the border of Israel and Egypt, tucked in there against the Mediterranean Sea, so hemmed in on three sides, is ruled by a terrorist regime and has been for 18 years. So. That, that's, again, the long answer to the short question, what is Gaza? Yeah. Israel disengaged. Israel has not disengaged from the rest, rest of the West Bank. The Palestinian Authority has some degree of control, but if you know, because you see these images plastered all over the media sometimes, Israel maintains ultimate military control because the West Bank, Israel maintains, is part of the larger land of Israel, won in the Six-Day War in 1967 through a military victory. Mm -hmm. So local government control by the Palestinian Authority, but Israeli sovereignty. Yeah. Uh, that's something Israel continues to provide, even though, depending on which Palestinian you ask, that's either appreciated or deeply resented yeah. uh, by the Palestinians living in those territories. Yeah. Okay, so, so back to what's happened. Back to what's happened. Progress with great cost, and I'll, when I say cost, I, ho I hope this resonates with our audience because this is a hot button. People feel like, and I'll say this, you know, what, one of the things I hope we hope you take away today from this podcast is your responsibility as an informed believer in Jesus in this situation, in any geopolitical crisis in the world, but especially one involving Israel, where there's so much biblical content about what's God up to and what does God want and not want. Your responsibility is to reject false choices. And maybe the biggest false choice that the media is forcing upon the world right now, Carly, is if you stand with Israel, you vilify the Arab people. And if you have compassion for the suffering of Arab and Palestinian and Gazan peoples, that means you need to hate Israel who's sending an army in to defend itself. I think that's a false choice. Yeah. We don't see that in the Bible. We don't see that in the teaching of Jesus, who came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel and is the savior of the world, right? And God says, if you touch Jerusalem, so we can say by extension, the land of Israel, you, you poke me in the eye, you touch the apple of my eye. It, it's, this, it's this offensive thing when a foreign entity, terrorist regime power comes to attack Jerusalem. And remember, on October 7th, all these nations got involved because when they saw Hamas's initial victory, victory meaning massacring mm -hmm. a thousand something innocent people, 
they said, now let's march for Jerusalem. Remember that day, this worldwide call to march on Jerusalem. What's going on there? Because as much as Israel and Jerusalem, its center are, is this holy place in Judaism, it's also the third holiest place in, in Islam. So we have this kind of battle over Jerusalem and the Lord cares very deeply for that. But the, the false conclusion we can make is, then does God hate or not care for other people groups? And I wanna, before I forget it, because I think it's important in any one of these episodes, Carly, that we refer people to the scriptures. There's a super important passage that I think the situation like the current war in Israel sets the stage for, but we've only just seen the beginning of of things. We ain't seen nothing yet in terms of the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. But if you're wondering what is God's heart for Jewish people and Arab people, and is he pro one and anti the other or vice versa? Isaiah 19 talks about this day in the future when it says there's gonna be a highway. And if you look at the highway, it actually runs directly through the current Gaza Strip. But it says a highway from Egypt to Assyria and God says, Israel is my firstborn and Egypt is my beloved and Syria, which we can extend to, you know, the, the current nation of Syria all the way over to Iran. So the Persian people and the Arab people, these are my inheritance. And it lumps all three groups together as part of this collective body that sometime in the future are going to recognize the God of Israel for who he is, the Lord of heaven and earth, and are going to love him and pursue worshiping of him. And it's exactly what he wants because, I says, because he says, I love them all. So if you're wondering what's God's heart for the Jewish people versus the Arab people versus the Iranians, their government, you know, their government is one thing, but the Persian people living in, in Iran and around the world, God's heart is that all of these people come to recognize him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, come to receive his son, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, and come to be worshipers of him in spirit and in truth. And he's jealous for all three groups. Mm -hmm. So I think that's before we even go any further because it gets super complex. I wanna encourage our listeners, reject the false choice of saying that, and we'll get into this in a moment, Israel's right to defend itself is somehow a license to hate Arabs or compassion for Arab people means that you need to resent or hate uh, the, the state of Israel, the IDF, Israel Defense Force, Jewish people who stand with Israel, that you need to hate and break fellowship with Christians who are choosing to stand with Israel. It's not either or. I think both are possible and not just possible, both are totally the plan of God. God's compassion for suffering Arab and Palestinian peoples and God's jealousy for a people who he said, I'll return you to the land I promised to your forefathers, not because you deserve it, but because I'm a promise keeping God and my faithfulness and glory will be displayed through what I do for you. And he said, when I bring you back to the land, no one will ever remove you from it again. Yeah, that, I really want to dig into that false choice comment. Totally. But first I want to make sure we cover yeah. anything that's happened. Something you said to me the other day, which I think yeah. really sums it up, is that the last time we were talking, right. we talked about that this was a terrorist massacre, right. but now it's become an extremely complex multinational embroilment, is right. what you said. So exactly. How, what has happened that has now, you know, this has become more than just Israel, but the whole world, and then we'll go back into the false choice thing. So October 7th was Hamas, right? A couple thousand Islamic jihadist terrorists funded by other countries, okay, entering Israel and taking every opportunity as a righteous act in the eyes of Allah, in the eyes of the God of Islam, so they believed, and as an act of just vengeance against the Jewish people to massacre innocent civilians. That's, that's what happened. And Israel responded, Israel declared war on October 7th. And the spokesman, the international spokesman for the IDF got on international news. He issued what was called an evening address. It was the next morning already. It was October 8th in Israel, but this kind of evening address for the rest of the world. And he said, in the coming weeks, this is going to come, become complex. It's going to become confusing. There's gonna be increased anti-Israel sentiment. We will be called the aggressors. We will be called the villains. We will be called the perpetrators of war crimes. He, he just said all of this. This was, this was like 10 hours after the massacres. Mm -hmm. They still don't even know really what's happened in Israel. If you recall, it took days and weeks to yeah. assess the full extent. I had family in there and he said, the things that, that I saw in these kibbutzes, I, I can't 
my worst bad dream wouldn't be what I saw with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. But the IDF spokesman said, this is what's coming. And I think we can all look back and say, yeah, it's become incredibly complex. A lot of anti-Israel sentiment in the news. What's going on here? And he said this. He said, but I'm challenging you, the listener, to remember how this whole thing started today. Islamic jihadist terrorism attacking Jewish people and their neighbors and the Jewish state at large to try to wipe us off the face of the earth. This is why we declared war, because we must defend our own existence against a group that's pledged to our own destruction. Mm -hmm. That was the crux of the issue. And I think I want, I want to challenge our listeners. It's totally become complex, right? Schools being blown up. One report that says Israel totally attacked innocent civilians. Another report saying, no, they found a terrorist tunnel. And you can find this online now. Yeah. Uh, under the school, which raises all kinds of other questions, right? Israel attacks a hospital. Okay, but there was an IDF outpost in the top floor of the hospital. Excuse me, there was a Hamas outpost in the top floor of the hospital. So what was really going on there? It's become incredibly complex. But I, I want to challenge our listeners. Is it still true or is it still not true that the activities of the Israel Defense Force are with the intent of wiping out a radical Islamic jihadist terrorist regime who's pledged to its destruction. Has Israel changed its focus from that? And I think however we feel about it or don't feel about it or however much we want to forget it entirely, the answer has to be no. That's still the military offensive. Israel's very clear every day. Our purpose is here, get the hostages back, who we've seen have been used like negotiating chips mm -hmm. by Hamas and other countries. There's still well over 100 hostages. We don't know how many are alive. We don't know how many are dead. But Israel's trying to return the hostages safely to the land of Israel and to neutralize Hamas. And then there's a third one, which relates to this, to insist upon a post-Hamas leadership in Gaza, which is not an Islamic jihadist terrorist regime, which is not pledged to its own destruction. So that's still what the IDF is doing, right? That has remained the same. So what's changed that's made it incredibly complex? What's changed is Hamas has quite willingly become absorbed into two larger spheres. One is a Palestinian or a Gazan, but largely, you know, you know we've seen the, the, the rallies around the world, right? Free Palestine. What's going on? Did, did Hamas enter Israel on October 7th to free Palestine? No, they entered to wipe out Jewish people wherever they could find them, right? But that poked the bear and so now Hamas and the terrorist activities, which nobody in the world except Islamic jihadists really would condone, became absorbed in this more palatable free Palestine. There's this, you know, apartheid dynamic going on in Israel and we have millions of oppressed uh, boxed in Palestinian people and they need to be freed. That argument had been going on long before October 7th and Hamas wasn't there to fix it on October 7th, but that got absorbed. And then you have the even larger issue of, right, the, the incredibly sticky wicket, we can say, of peace in the Middle East, which is Arabs versus Jews. So you have Hamas at the core. Nobody really condones their efforts. That got subsumed into the more palatable free Palestine. What do we do about the plight of the Palestinian people, which got subsumed into this huge, incredibly complex, millennia-old argument between two brothers, mm -hmm. Isaac and Ishmael. Who would be at enmity with one another. God said, you know, I, Abraham has Ishmael and his cry is, let Ishmael live before you. In essence, may Ishmael, my son, have a relationship with you, Adonai. And God says he will one day. But in the meanwhile, it says he'll be a wild boar of a man and he'll be at enmity with all of his brothers and all peoples will be at enmity with him. Now, I'm not saying that to like criticize or vilify the, the Arab people, but Ishmael, which means God has heard, the God of Israel has heard, interestingly, the father of the Arab people. His name was the God of Israel has heard. Hmm. Isn't that I interesting? That. Yeah. Think back to Isaiah 19. The Lord's after something with Arab peoples and he's going to get it yeah. because he's paid for it with the blood of his son. So it's just going to take a while to get there. That goes back to the false choice, which is what I want right. to talk about, is that so many Christians right. are listening to the news or they're reading what they can and they're like, okay, yes, Israel's defending themselves, right. but they're also saying... 
and I'm not saying yeah. this, this is true or not, right. but they're saying, saying what they're saying. Yes. Yeah. Israel is killing innocent civilians. Right. Israel is killing children. Right. Israel has displaced people, displaced people from their homes. Like they've oppressed the Palestinians. So at the same time, it's like, I want to stand with Israel because that's what the Bible says I should do. Sure. But they're also creating mass chaos sure. and, and killing people. So how do Christians, well, one, is that true? How, what's yeah. your viewpoint on that? And how do you wrestle with this idea of Israel is committing humanitarian mm -hmm. crimes. Totally. But I also want to stand with Israel. Right, and it's a great question. And I would say the, you know, we can we can be so so free Palestine that we're anti-Israel beyond yeah. reason. But on the other side of it, I want to challenge our Christian audience who is standing with Israel, and thank you for doing that. Don't do that with blinders on. Don't bury your head in the sand. And one of the most foolish things that a, an Israel supporter in the church could do these days is to say, no, there's no innocent civilians dying, you know, in response. Israel's killing innocent civilians in, in Gaza. And to say, that's not happening. There are civilians dying in Gaza, mm -hmm. right? It's tragic. It's terrible. Why is it happening though? Right, I think that's the thing. Like one of the worst things we can do is to ignore the facts in trying to advocate for a cause. Yeah. So let's, you know, you raised some of the some of the statements, some of the accusations, rhetoric that's out there. So let's just real quick address them. Are there innocent people, not part of Hamas, dying in Gaza? Absolutely there are. Is it by intent or is it because they're being used as human shields? So Israel's purpose is as surgically as possible, at great risk to itself. And again, I have friends of friends who just died in the tunnels of Gaza mm -hmm. because an IDF tank rolled over that area where they were setting vibration-triggered explosives to try to kill Hamas terrorists, and it blew up all the soldiers. So like, this is real, this is happening. Mm -hmm. You know, there's military mistakes being made. People are tired 100 something days in. But what's the purpose? Israel is at great risk to itself trying to surgically eliminate on an individual basis terrorist targets. And Hamas knows this, so they're using people who didn't choose them to rule over them yeah. as human shields. Is Israel trying to attack innocent civilians? And I think in response to that, like, let me just appeal to the reasonable man or woman, right? Like, let's use the, the invisible, reasonable man or woman. What reason would Israel ever have when 21% of its people are Arab and not Jewish to intentionally kill innocent Arabs who have nothing to do with the stated purpose of its, of its military objective? Mm -hmm. Like, reasonable person. I can't get there. I yeah. mean, maybe if you can, write to us. <laughs> but I can't get there. So that's part of the challenge of what's going on. So our, and you know, you said baby, right? We, we, go, we go for the most extreme, yes, right? We yeah. go for the most, are babies dying as innocent people? Are, are defenseless women and children dying? Yeah, but it's not by design. It's by, it's by design of one side. It's mm -hmm. by design of Hamas, who absolutely, who cares nothing for the people that they're ruling over in Gaza. They care for a cause, which is the elimination of the Jewish state. This is their purpose before the God of Islam. They're allowing it to happen, and not only allowing it, filming it and exploiting it to vilify Israel. Yeah, which goes back to the false choice of you can either stand with Israel or not. Exactly. Which is not what we're saying. Right. You can stand with Israel and advocate for the relief and the help of Gaza yes. and Palestinian people, right? So like one example, and this was true in 1947 when the UN partition plan vote happens in Israel overnight, right? The, the scripture that says, can a nation be born in a day? Overnight, the modern Jewish state is established. The next day, Arab nations all around declare war on Israel. And the people who weren't even called Palestinians then, Arabs living in the newly established Jewish state, who were welcome to stay if mm -hmm. they lived in peace with the Jewish people, mm -hmm. suddenly tried to leave the land and Egypt and Syria and Lebanon and Jordan said, you may not come back. Mm. So they immediately became political pawns. And it was true in October. Sadly, Palestinians tried to cross the border into an Arab country called Egypt. And Egypt said, we're not receiving one of you. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Israel's making room for water and food to go in for humanitarian relief while they try to deal with a terrorist threat. And a nation which could absorb some of these people temporarily as refugees said, you're not coming here. Yeah. And it's this rinse and repeat of the same situation in the Middle East where the Palestinian people are political pawns of the Arab nations around them and Israel is stuck with the bill, meaning Israel's stuck with the bill of culpability and the humanitarian bill in many cases. And is Israel providing relief to the people in Gaza? 
Israel is not providing relief that we know of. There could be things we don't know of going yeah. on. So to be clear, what Israel is doing is working with multinational groups, including the U.S. is involved and Egypt, to try to make as much room as possible for foreign humanitarian aid to enter. Because their purpose, again, is not the unnecessary suffering of Gazans and Palestinians. Yes. Their purpose is the surgical elimination of terrorists. So but many people, people are saying, yeah. well, Israel should be providing relief. Like Israel, why isn't Israel going and providing relief? I'm not saying that's right. No, I that's, think it's kind of ironic because since when are we expected to provide supplies, you know, to people that are that are not Israel? Could Israel do that? Maybe. I think Israel's priority right now is defending its own existence, freeing the people of, of Gaza from a radical Islamic terrorist regime and fighting a war that it didn't start. In the meanwhile, since the establishment of the Palestinian Authority, four, I have the number here, $40 billion has been given to, to Palestinian government. Right, because they're not taking care of their people. That's right. why people are so, expecting right. Israel right. to. Right, where did the money go is yes. one question, but <laughs> yeah. let's, not, let's not go down that road for now. So Israel is not, to our knowledge, providing the aid. They're doing everything they can to usher innocent people out of areas where they need to conduct an operation. So are, is Israel, you know, another thing you said that's out there right now, Israel is displacing innocent people, yes. Why? Because terrorist regimes are using innocent people's neighborhoods as hideouts for themselves. Yeah. So Israel's saying, please leave. We can't work out where you go, but we're telling you if you go here, we guarantee your safety. Please go so we can deal with a problem we have to go deal with. Yeah. And when people didn't leave, they, they waited and said, really, really, please go. We won't bomb. We need you to get out of here. Please leave. Yeah. So Israel's making a concerted effort to protect innocent people though it's not always possible. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, Hamas is happy, happy to report deaths of its innocent civilians because it furthers its own cause. And again, this is, I, I think very, very few people in the world on October 8th would have said Hamas and the terrorists who came into Israel were justified in what they did. But now terrorist regime absorbed into a people movement, absorbed into the very complex crisis of peace in the Middle East between Arabs and Jews. Mm -hmm. And the more, the more the snowball rolls down the hill and the larger it gets, the more difficult it is to find the ice chunk that started it, Yeah. right? And Hamas is very happy for their own activities and their culpability in massive human rights war crimes violations to be hidden inside the much more tolerable topic of a people movement. Mm -hmm or of peace in the Middle East. This might be a terrible analogy and you can say so, but uh, you know, for someone who lives in America, right. like me, who's actually never been to Israel, sure, it's hard to relate to what's going on. It's much easier to judge from a distance. Right. Oh, they should be doing this, they should be doing that. Would this be like if a terrorist organization said, my goal is to kill everyone in America like, I want to wipe every American off the earth, which is basically what Hamas is saying mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. Israel. Mm -hmm. And so then, therefore, America would be trying to defend themselves and we right. would be doing whatever it would take to defend ourselves. Right. Can, is, does that relate? Like, as an American, is that a way for me to think about this is what it would be like if I was in this situation? Yeah, I think 9-11 got partway there, right? Yeah. And we heard that. And, and by percentage of the population who was murdered, October 7th was many times over right. Israel's 9-11. Right. But 9-11 got close, right? It, we, we understood pretty quickly, Osama bin Laden took credit for it, right, and his henchmen, yeah. that their purpose was to destroy, if they had the opportunity, as much of America as they could. America in Islam is called the great Satan among many Islamic extreme, extremes, yeah. right? The ultimate enemy. Israel's the little Satan. Uh, but there was a key difference. Osama was hiding in caves thousands and thousands of miles away, somewhere in Afghanistan, Pakistan. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know where he was initially. Yeah. Okay, eventually he was found and neutralized, same yes. idea. But now imagine Osama is in Toronto, right across the water. Yeah. And Osama and thousands of people like him said, hey, by the way, we're not done. And we exist solely for the destruction of any American we can find, regardless of their story, their age, their gender, if they're holding an American passport, we will kill them. Right. How would America feel if our army went after those people? And how would America feel if those people hid behind civilians and tragically, tragically, yeah. because of that choice, 
Civilians died in our attempt to wipe out that threat. Justified. Just, we, justified. Have to do whatever you need to do to defend the state. Mm -hmm. And so that's the idea, right? Is yeah. Israel's doing what it has to do to defend itself against people groups who are pledged to its destruction. Yeah. But the question is, who is Israel's enemy? Like, and we didn't, we've talked around that, but let yeah. me just like go for that. Yeah. Israel's enemy, the IDF's enemy is not Arabs, it's not Palestinians, it's not the Gazan people. Israel's enemy is people who pledge to be Israel's enemy. Yes. Exclusively, yeah. solely, that's who they're trying to deal with in the world and their operations. Yeah. And if that's called barbaric war crimes, defending yourself against people who say, our purpose in life is to kill you and everyone you love, yeah. then my goodness, I don't know. So then as a Christian, I, I wanna stand with Israel. I do right. stand with Israel, but if Israel does start doing something that seems unjustified, that does seem sure. out of control, how do we deal with that? Do we just stand with them because that's what we're supposed to do? Like you said at the beginning, don't yeah. do this with blinders on. Right. Like we can still stand with the Jewish people, Right. but what about crimes that we think are have gone too far? Sure, is Israel perfect in this situation? Absolutely not. Is any military perfect? No. Now yeah. in the providence of God, does he use wars and armies throughout history, including today, for his own purposes in the earth because yeah. he's radically in charge? I think we can see in the scriptures, the answer is yes. This idea that God doesn't care, that God is anti all war, he's anti all fighting and that there's no righteous fight. I don't see that in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I don't see it in historic times. Yeah. I don't see it in the words that Jesus said. And I certainly don't see it in what the prophets and what John and Revelation have to say about the days that are coming. Okay, so we have the issue of, of, of what's righteous and what's not. Israel is not without wrongdoing here. Like I said, the army, you know, family members in the IDF, their yeah. thing right now is, I just wanna make sure my guys and my ladies are getting sleep because we don't wanna get too tired and make mistakes. Mm. But are they making mistakes? Sure they yeah. are. And it's tragic at the cost of some of their own lives and at the cost of the lives of, of others who shouldn't be, mm -hmm. shouldn't be killed. So I think the question is, what does it mean to stand with Israel? And maybe let's, let's, let's take Israel out of the equation for a minute and then we'll put it back in. What does it mean to stand in an enduring relationship with someone or something you care about? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean to excuse everything they do or to whitewash the problems you have. Yeah. In fact, maybe even more so, you care so much that you're even more bold in vocalizing those problems and saying, I think this thing, I think this action, I think this law or policy is wrong. Yeah. And I'm, challenging you to change it. I'm asking you, I'm praying that you would, I'm gonna lift up my voice. And even though I have that problem, I'm committed to you because I understand that I'm in this God-given inextricable relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Paul's talking about in Romans. We talk about this a lot, right? But he's saying, hey church, don't be ignorant of this. Your destiny is wrapped up in the destiny of the people who have been cut off from the olive tree you've been grafted into. And you can be upset you cannot like some of the things they do. You can lift up your voice to challenge injustice where you see it, but understand you're not getting out of this relationship. Mm -hmm. It's God designed and, and, and the only way is through. Yeah. So I think Christians who are trying to stand with Israel doesn't mean if you see something that you feel is unjust, write to your senator, write to the government. You know, the, yeah. the Knesset has you know, uh, communication channels. You yeah. can write to them. It's like uh, you. It's like being in a relationship with someone that you love that is right. doing something that you don't think is right. You don't exactly. abandon them. Exactly. Yeah. That that would is that really love? Ah, they. My love is conditional. They did something I don't right. like. I'm out. Or is it to say I'm so committed that I'm going to press in? Yeah. When there's something that's grievous to me. Yeah. Because I care. Because their success, their abundant life is my success and my abundant life. My yeah. destiny is wrapped up in there. So I think. I really think if we zoom out for a minute, and you know, again, so many more things we could say that we won't get to in this episode, but I think one of the good things that the Lord may be bringing, I, I think he is, I'll say my opinion is that he is, out of unexpected and unwelcome circumstances in Israel and the Middle East right now and in Gaza, okay? Mm -hmm. One of the good things is that I feel like this catalyzes the body of believers, the church, the ecclesia, right? The body of Messiah worldwide to have to deal with the issue of what is my relationship with Israel and the Jewish people? Totally. Is it, I send money to somebody so I get blessed, transaction complete? Is it, yeah, I love the Jewish right, roots of my faith because it helps me understand, you know, makes me more fulfilled. Thank you very much for the Jewish context and the fancy Hebrew words. 
I'll take it from here. Mm -hmm. Is it, yeah, I hope they all get saved, but you know, the Lord's got to work that out. Or is it something deeper? Is there something more relational and covenantal that God's always had in mind? Whereas things get tougher in the world, followers of Jesus and the Jewish people find themselves more and more in the same difficult circumstances. And is it possible that the Lord would use a, a not, an unconditional covenantal love of Christians for the Jewish people as we head toward the return of Jesus to be the primary catalyst for Jewish people's salvation. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you condone or whitewash or ignore bad things when they're going on. At an individual basis, on the basis at a state level with the, with the state of Israel, there are things that need to be challenged. And Israel's already saying, you know, it, Netanyahu doesn't really like this, but there will come a day at the end of this war when the government of Israel has to answer for how self-absorbed and how divided the country was and turned in against itself for 2022 and 2023 that created the perfect opportunity for terrorists to exploit. That has to be answered for. Yeah. So Israel's got a lot of wrongdoing and yet the Lord says, I'm jealous for these people and I'm jealous for this land that I've chosen to give back to them and nothing's going to take that away, though they resist me. And I think a lot of Christians, those listening, are trying to figure out where they stand, like right. you're saying. Right. And truthfully, we're trying to help answer yep. those questions because I get it. It's hard to decide. I stand with Israel when you have right. all these complex questions and totally. see what's going on. So we're trying to help answer that so that right. you can determine where am I at? Am I in a covenantal relationship with Israel? That means I need to press in. Do I have more questions? Like that's what we're trying to do here is bring clarity right. to that. Exactly. And many of us, you know, are we're, we're trying to respond to some super strong rhetoric. Like maybe you're at a church or a congregation and somebody walks up to you and sees your, you know, Israel pin, or you say, yeah, you know, I feel like I should stand with Israel. How can you do that for, for a racist apartheid state that's killing innocent? It's like, okay, we just went to a 10, yeah. right? But how, and you go, what do I say? Do I just shut up? And that's kind of the response right now as this thing drags on yeah. is the, the, the increasing strength of the anti-Israel rhetoric causes many who in, in peacetime, when it was easy, were standing with Israel to just shut up, mm -hmm. to just shut our mouths and say, I'm not gonna poke the bear. Yeah. But I would say one of the most disarming things you can do is start that conversation by talking about God's love for Arab people, mm -hmm. God's love for Persian people, mm -hmm. and how much God cares about the suffering and the injustice when those people are led by governments that exploit them and use them for terrorist purposes, yeah. for jihadist purposes. Yeah. How much God loves Muslim peoples and wants them to have an encounter with him. And Isaiah 19 says they will. Mm -hmm. How much God loves the Arab Christian followers of Jesus who are right in there with the Palestinians, right in there with the Egyptians, right in there with the Syrians, Jordanians, and Lebanese. Millions of Christians mm -hmm. who are Arab, mm -hmm. who themselves have this incredible challenge now of going, I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I kind of feel like Israel's guilty of some abuses against my own people. What do I do with that? Yeah. So I think that's one of the most disarming things is to, to, to recognize all of that and to say, and to say, and I believe God has made some promises by his own decision for the Jewish people and about the land of Israel that he's going to keep. And I stand with him and I agree with his promises. But it doesn't mean I hate the Arab people or the yeah. Palestinians. And it doesn't mean Israel's not without wrongdoing. Yeah. I think as we close, Ezra, I just, I'd like you to just speak to Christians or believers who are sure. trying to deal with this emotionally. Like they just yeah. feel weighed down. Like this stuff's going on in Israel. There's all this right. humanitarian destruction. Like where is my God, the God of promises? Like right. how do I deal with all of this? Sure. I think, you know, that's one of the, one of the good things that's come out of this, as I said, is the church individually and corporately being challenged to take that next step and what does it really mean to stand and keep standing with Israel. And another part of the good that can come out of this is, you know, early, right, right in October, right, people said, is this the end, right? Because we have all the ingredients, battle against Jerusalem, massive suffering of the Jewish people. Uh, it seemed like all the nations or many of the nations in the world were gathering together against Israel and Jerusalem. And we said, is this the end? And I think what, what I heard early on, and I agree with this, is this isn't the end, but it's the beginning of contractions that might lead to birth pains that will lead to the end. It's almost like this mini dress rehearsal and the challenge for Christians, and I'll speak to you right now listening, is how do we relate to a promise-keeping God who says, 
Righteousness and justice are the foundations of my throne. I'm going to do justice and no one will be able to say that I wasn't just or fair. Mm -hmm. And a God who says mercy and truth, right? This merciful, loving kindness and cold, hard to take truth both exist in my kingdom. How do we relate to him? And how do we say, Lord, I trust your excellent leadership when things get dark, when things get complicated? And I think over and over in the history of the Jewish people, we kind of see a model for this. And it's Israel sins. Israel turns its back on the Lord. Israel is stubborn, stiff-necked, hard-hearted towards him. And he says, because of that, and make no mistake, you deserve it, Israel, I'm going to bring the nations against you. But I'm going to punish the nations because they'll go too far. I wanted justice and righteousness. They operated in vengeance and hatred and pride. So I'm going to punish them, even though I allowed them for a time to hurt you. And out of that, what's going to happen is that Israel and the nations will all recognize that I am sovereign on my throne and I'm the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And no one will be able to say, I didn't have a chance to respond to that, to that reality. And I think in a small way right now, we need to zoom out and look at that. Israel has been humbled. There's tremendous opportunities for the gospel right now because people are asking, where's the Mashiach? Where's the Messiah in all of this? Is he coming now? It's pretty bad for Israel. Mm -hmm. Where's the Lord? You know, a, a, a friend of my, uh, of a family member uh, who was serving in the IDF had walked away from the Lord. He grew up as a Jewish believer and he had walked away from the Lord in his teens and his legs were blown off in Gaza a few weeks ago. And he woke up and he said to my, to my family member who was there to kind of minister to him, just be, you know, the ministry of presence. He said, did everybody on October 7th in Israel who was murdered go to hell because they don't know the Lord? Right. And as I say it, I get choked up and I got choked up Mm -hmm. when my wife told me about this conversation that was happening in a hospital in Israel, right? Raw questions happening in Israel right now. Mm -hmm questions that don't have easy answers. But out of that is a tremendous opportunity for the gospel. On the Arab side of the line, on the Palestinian side of the equation, maybe out of all of this, people are going to go, wait a minute, if my religion is ultimately culminating in jihadist terrorism, is that a religious system I really feel good about being a part of? And who is Allah? And is there something else I should know about? Mm -hmm. So tremendous opportunities in the Arab, Persian, Palestinian world for the gospel right now. So how should the Christian think about it? The Lord isn't surprised by October 7th. He allowed it. But in the end, he's playing chess on 22 boards and he's winning every game because he's large and in charge. And we have to trust, I think. It's a challenge. It's hard in moments like this. We have to trust that his purposes, his kingdom purposes will come to pass, even when the ways that he allows those things to come to pass are not ways we would have chosen mm -hmm. and involve war and injustice and suffering. And it's a challenge, but I think it drives us to the scriptures, yeah. right? Even to the words of Jesus who says, when you see these things, know that the end is near, but blessed is he who isn't offended because of me. Mm -hmm. So if we're dealing with offense toward God, because things on earth stink and we see so much un, in, injustice right now. I think press into the scriptures, press into the teachings of Jesus, press into what the Lord had to say. Don't disengage mm -hmm. from him. It's an and opportunity look, to trust him. Exactly. And it's an opportunity and ask him. And I really, I've been asking him and he's sort of opened my eyes. So that's my, my kind of parting words. And this episode is I'm challenging our audience. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to see how he's accomplishing his kingdom purposes in circumstances you would never have chosen. Mm. And in a way we can end up with more faith and more trust in the end, right? Yeah. Because when the Lord can bring about the things we've been asking him for in ways that we thought nothing good could come out of this, we end up with more trust and faith than when he just does things on earth the way we in our little throne think it should be done. Yes. Yeah. So that's the kingdom opportunities in the midst of this situation, not only for the good news among Jewish people, but for massive revival and opening of eyes among Arab people. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So as I mentioned, um, you know, we're going to be doing a, a mini series. We're going to cover some different topics like Israel in the end times. What does it mean for Christians and Jews to right. be together in unity? But for those listening, like seriously, if you have questions as you're wrestling through this, go to our website, a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org and send those questions to us and we'll answer them in these future episodes. 
Um, also, as Ezra said, use this as a time to press in and pray for Israel. Yeah. Um, we have prayer points. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, if you're just like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know who to pray for. I don't understand. Like just you can follow that guide and it'll help you pray for Israel. Uh, and lastly, like I said at the beginning, we do support over 85 ministries on the ground in Israel. And if you do feel led to give in a financial way, 100% of what uh, you give to Israel through us goes to those ministries. So again, we'll put that link in the show notes too. But if that's something you feel led to do, please support us in that way. Yeah, we just committed a million dollars beyond our 2024 budget to directly stand with ministries in Israel making a difference on the ground. So if you're going, I feel like I need to do something, I don't know where to do that, G give a gift and we'll yeah. get it to those ministries in the coming weeks. Yep. Uh, so help us help us make good on that that one million dollar over and above commitment. We want to get involved in Israel among Jewish people, among Arabs, among anybody who's open to the gospel right now. Uh, so you can help us do that today. Yeah. So like I said, we'll be we'll be coming in future podcasts. So stay tuned for those and send us your questions, and uh, we'd love to engage with you. If you benefited from what you heard today, and you feel others could benefit from hearing it too. We want to ask you to get involved and become a supporter. $50 gets this and other important messages out to a broader audience and gets life-saving medical care to one additional underserved Jewish person living far outside the land of Israel. As a thank you, we'll send you a bag of fresh roasted Ethiopian beans from our own Lost Tribes Coffee Company. These delicious beans are responsible for both the speed and intensity with which Ezra expresses himself on this podcast. Totally true, Carly. And if you're not ready to become a supporter today, just let us know that you listen by entering and giving a little bit of information. You'll be entered in a drawing to win a free bag of that Lost Tribes Coffee Company coffee. You can go to our website at jewandagentiledisgust.org or click in the show notes for more information. And if you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast content. And we'd also love if you leave us a review and share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media at the handle A Jew and A Gentile Discuss. And if there's anything you want us to discuss or have us answer, please submit your questions at our website, A Jew and A Gentile Discuss.org. This is Carly and Ezra. Thanks for listening to A Jew and A Gentile Discuss. Join us next week for another episode. The show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.